Curtin Cade mornings, not just on the radio. It's a podcast, too. Disappointment with the church. God's people might seem not worth the wounds. If you find yourself in this situation, then you have landed on this podcast for a reason. God has some encouragement and guidance for you. Yes, and Natalie Runyon wrote the book on it, actually. Raised to stay persevering in ministry when you have a million reasons to walk away. Natalie, good morning. Welcome to the conversation. How are you? Good morning, everyone. I'm great. Honestly, it is a very, very challenging situation to find ourselves in, being hurt by our brothers and sisters in Christ, intentionally, not intentionally. We are all sinners in need of a Savior. We've heard that. There is no such thing as a perfect church. Uh, we know this is true, but here's the deal, Natalie. We expect those who claim the name of Christ to at least um, you know, set the bar you know, a little higher than it seems mm-hmm. to be set many times. And it's like, why am I always disappointed over and over again with uh, you know, my brothers and sisters in the church, and there are varying degrees of disappointment and hurt. I know that's true. But um, we expect better, right? And if we, if you make a mistake or you hurt somebody, just repent, ask for forgiveness, and go on. Many times it doesn't work out that way, does it? No, and I always say that being hurt by the church is like getting stabbed in the back while the person's looking you in the eye. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's your family, it's your friends, it's people you have been raised in for many of us who were pastor's kids or who were raised in the church. The very institution that is supposed to protect you betrays you, and that is something that a lot of us don't recover from or have a hard time reconciling, which is why we don't see a lot of people who have been deeply wounded by the church going back into church. Yeah, and of course we have come out of the pandemic and we keep our eyes peeled for these latest studies and surveys. You know, have have people returned to church and have they not? And are they still watching online? Seems like uh, we're not back to where, in most churches, where we used to be before the pandemic, at least according to the last article I read that may have changed by press time here. But, um, you know, that's, that's kind of used as an excuse uh, for, for many people to say, you know what? I just am not going back. I'm just going to do the online stuff. And and maybe for them, it's a situation where they've tried over and over again. They've become members of a small group, let's say, and they were betrayed or they were hurt. So they tried again, then they were hurt again. And they're like, I don't know how many times I can be hurt and keep, keep going back. Mm-hmm. I, I would imagine you've had these conversations with folks and maybe you've experienced this too. Yeah, and I love the gift of online church. I feel like in COVID, it was such a blessing that we had it, that we could still stay connected to our local churches. However, I also have seen a high level of isolation, uh, Mm -hmm. particularly in those who have been hurt and high-level leaders who have isolated themselves. And we know that God's church is good. The church is God's idea, and anything that's God's idea is a good idea. And in His Word, He talks about, don't forsake the gathering of the saints. And where there is unity, it commands the Lord's blessing. And We live in America where there is a church on every corner. And so my prayer is that as people are online listening to the singing, listening to the Word, watching people reach out and hug each other, that there will be a a hope kind of spark up in their hearts to go try one more time. You do share a lot from your own personal experience in this book. I think that was really important. It's true, because I don't think we can speak to something that we haven't lived out, and not only lived out, but seen God come through on the other side. And for me, I was a pastor's kid, saw church hurt in very real time. My own family fell victim to it, enough that 
I didn't go to a Christian college like I was supposed to. And I went to a public university and wrestled with my faith for five years, wrestled with whether or not I actually believed the things that I had seen after being betrayed so badly. And it's been a journey of my own life now in my adult, you know, 20 past years of really choosing to step back into ministry and put my heart back out there and watch God make all things good again. And it has taken 30 years to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Do you think that, uh, I love that biblical phrase, uh, the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, it's great. Um, Do you believe that, um, I don't know, that the Lord did something in you during your time away from the church and your time maybe straying a little bit from from him, I don't know if he's strayed from him, but the, at least the church. What was God doing in your own heart at that point, do you think? Well, we've all heard this term deconstruction thrown around um, on social media and our social circles. And I think for me, it wasn't a deconstruction as much as it was a detangling from some religious things that have been placed on me in the 90s through purity culture, through some of the movements that had really kind of put shame on me. And so for my five years, six years of going through my own detangling, what it did is it it introduced me to a Jesus that I was desperate to know, a a God of grace, a, a God of mercy, one who loved me even when I made mistakes. And I think Christians panic when people wander, but it's actually an invitation for Jesus to show up in that wilderness and turn that wasteland into an Eden, you know, and for me, that's what he did. And it it was a lot of journaling, a lot of small groups, a lot of mentorship, but it really was a, a sweet season in my life as hard as it was. Maybe the big problem for us is expectations. We're talking mm-hmm. about setting the bar. Maybe our expectations are unrealistic, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. We attach a perfect God to imperfect people all the time. And I think that it's natural. I don't want anybody to feel guilt or shame over that. We go into a church and we expect our shepherds to protect the sheep. And when that doesn't happen, it does feel like the ultimate betrayal. And so I want to validate that. We should expect that, but at the same time, understanding that only God is the perfect one. Our expectations can get us uh, into the weeds on this. You know, maybe a good, I don't know, a good way to look at this is, okay, I know other people have hurt me, but have I really thought about how I have hurt other people? It's true. We're never all one-sided, you know, and I think it's easy to be a victim. And when you've been really hurt, that's kind of our first knee-jerk reaction is to go into self-preservation mode. And the Lord has really taught me that self-preservation is not a fruit of the Spirit, (laughs) you know, that we want to walk in love and humility and gentleness and kindness. And so whenever I feel myself withdrawing and thinking everybody's out to hurt me, I have to turn that mirror back on myself and ask myself, you know, where have I partnered in hurting other people, which is a really difficult question to ask when I want to remain the victim. Yeah, that's true. It gets you out of that uh, that situation, that that you know frame of thought, that mm-hmm. that that whole idea that uh, yeah, you know, the world woe is, is me. against me. Yeah, what was the victim me. mentality? Yeah, that's true. And you know, it behooves us to be better examples of Christ to to make people want to come to church, but um, we should never really place our trust in anything but Christ. Yeah, that's the key, isn't it, Natalie? 
It is. I think we oftentimes do attach a perfect God to imperfect people. And I want to validate that and those who have done that because we should expect our shepherds to protect the sheep and we should expect the church to be a safe haven and a safe house for the lost. However, we also have to realize that we aren't in the kingdom yet. We're on this earth and there will be a day of restoration, but this isn't it. And so going in, understanding that we're just passing through and that we should expect disappointment, but we don't have to quit. Mm -hmm. Satan cheers when we quit because uh, then we separate ourselves from other believers. Relationships, Christian friendships, a mess worth making, so it seems to me. <laughs> Thank you for taking some time to listen to this episode of the Curtain Cape Mornings podcast. We always welcome a review with your thoughts and comments, and please feel free to subscribe and follow us as well. Let's go to Sharon, who is uh, joining us from Tampa. Hi, Sharon. Welcome to the conversation. How are you? I'm listening to the program, and just what Natalie just said, um, the last thing she said, you know, about expecting the church to be a safe haven and protecting and people being, and I'm, and I'm agreeing with that too, and I'm saying that, you know, sometimes these labels that we put on ourselves as a church, you know, I believe the enemy really used labels and um, these things to divide us and to say, oh, I am among the group that's been church hurt or I'm among the group that's been, that's caused hurt. And these labels and stuff, they divide us just as much as the different labels of church. Oh, I'm Pentecostal, I'm Baptist, I'm charismatic, I'm this and that, I'm non-denominational, that divide us. And I, I, I think so much about offense. What does the Lord say about offense? Why are we so easily offended? And, and, and we do get offended, but how are we supposed to treat the um, when we get offended. Um, the Bible talks about us. He, he allows us to be angry. He says, angry, be angry, but don't sin when you get angry. And when we walk away from church because of church, where do we walk to? I have seen in my experience in churches that I've been in where people have handed their resignation right there to the pastor in the church, causing so much shame and embarrassment, and they walk away and they walk back into the same thing. I think we ought to understand that the church is a group of imperfect people that Christ is perfecting towards that day. We are all going through sanctification, so we will mess up and make mistakes. But I think our response is to be some of what Natalie was saying, and, and you all are saying is that we repent, we forgive, we move on, and we help. And just as Christ said to Peter in the book of Luke, he says, the enemy desires to see you as weak. But Peter, I have prayed for you that your faith fails. And when you have recovered from your church hurt, you should go and strengthen those who are going through church hurt. I, it hurt, you know. So I think we just we I think we really just to be have to be more Christ-like. We have so many rights as a people: my right to be hurt, my right to be victim, my right to be hurt, my right to pull away, my right to say no, my right. Mm -hmm. Where are those rights if we are servants? How do we have those rights? Wow. Yeah. There was so much in that. Sharon, thank you for, for sharing that. Okay, so truth alert yeah, with a machine gun. Yes. <laughs> that was perfect. You know what I was thinking of, Natalie, is I noticed that uh, the foreword of your book is uh, written by Lisa Bevere. And, of course, um, her husband is John Bevere. He was with us not too long ago. We were talking about the awe of God and all of that. But his uh, most famous book is The Bait of Satan, and he talks about the danger of offense. Interesting. 
It's true. First of all, I want to say Mama Lisa and Papa John are the real deal. They are the most incredible people for uh, discipling this generation. And one of the things that I love about this book is that it was written so long ago, and yet it's prophetic. It's so prophetic for right now. And the thing I've learned is that the church oftentimes does not know how to bear a burden, but we certainly know how to pick up an offense. And it's because it's a lot easier for us to play victim than to really just acknowledge where we've picked up things we were never meant to carry. And I do think a lot of us have chosen to pick up a fence rather than to run towards healing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's and it is a choice. Yeah. We tend to forget. There again, we're slipping back into the victim mentality as if we don't have a choice. Well, you know what? I can't control somebody else's behavior. I can't control whether or not they come to me and ask for forgiveness. But I can choose to be obedient to the Lord, and I can choose to uh, you know make sure that as far as it concerns me, I'm going to, with God's help, do what He is asking me to do. And you know what, Natalie? At night, when we do that, we can put our head on the pillow and we can go to sleep and not have to worry about it anymore. Absolutely. And I do want to make a clear distinction that Raised to Stay isn't about staying in unhealthy churches or staying in abusive and toxic environments. Raised to Stay is about abiding with Christ, remaining on the vine, John 15, that if we remain in Him, if we stay in Him, that He will stay with us and we will produce good fruit. And I do have to say, sometimes in order for us to stay with Jesus, we have to leave a church. But God will give us the framework and the wisdom to know how to make that choice. And the goal is to to find another church that helps us heal and helps us come into full reconciliation with each other and the Lord. I'm so glad you brought that up because there are many people who are hopping from church to church to church. How are we to follow God's leading on this? Um, Maybe in your own life you could give us an example of how you process all of this because it's a lot easier to say, well, find another church than to actually put that into play for a number of different reasons. So how do we do that? What is a healthy church? How do we go about it? I always say, look at the soil. And when you see healthy soil, you'll know it's healthy because the church will be producing good fruit. They will be in their cities. They'll be in their state. They'll be in the country. They'll be out in the world. When we see the Great Commission being done within the church and all of the leaders, and and by all of them, I mean the ones that are on the platforms and, and leading the sheep, when we see that there is fruit coming from their lives, fruit coming from the ministries, that's how we know we're in good soil. And so every now and then the Lord will call us to uproot, and we know it's time because we're feeling that kind of our spiritual burr under the saddle. That's like, yeah, I'm just feeling a little bit like there's something different, not better, but something different that the Lord's calling me into. And so there is a difference between leaving and taking our toys and going home because we're mad and going into a situation where we're doing the Great Commission somewhere else. And so there is therefore no condemnation in Christ Jesus, but we can stay too long and we can uproot too soon. And that's the tension of what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about this whole aspect of um, being hurt by the church uh, in reference to being in full-time vocational ministry, or for that matter, just, you know, being, not just, but being in ministry in the local church and seeing things from the inside out. And you, you take a look at the stats out there, and many pastors are burnt out. Uh, they are stressed out. Uh, it doesn't, you know. I, I was reading an article the other day that seems to indicate there are not a, a lot of younger pastors, men who are becoming uh, pastors, uh, who are going to be filling the pipeline. I think the average age 
for the senior pastor is 50-something. And I thought, wow, that's rather notable. So becoming discouraged uh, within ministry because you see the good, the bad, and the ugly, again, the view is even more magnified on that side. Um, Have you, once you return back to serving the local church and the calling God has placed on your life, have you gone through that sense of disillusionment again and had to remind yourself of the truth and you just went through everything again and maybe it was even worse? Oh, in every church, I have seen behind the veil, and I'm just disappointed in what I see. It's in every church. Um, And so I want to make that clear. There is no perfect church. There is no church that has nailed this. Um, I have been disappointed in every assignment that I have stepped into since I was 22 years old. And it's because of my own expectations, like we talked about earlier. It's also because humans are leading humans in a sacred space. And so every time I go into these in, in these different environments, I always joke that I didn't choose the thug life. The thug life chose me because I can see, you know, what's happening in these churches. And what I have to choose is is asking the Lord, am I called to contend for healthy culture here? Am I called to help support the staff? Am I called to wrestle with some of these things and, and bring change? And there are some seasons where I have been in other seasons where the Lord has given me permission to go ahead and go. And it has always been hard. Even in the going, well, it's always been hard. Let's talk about something that is, well, it's important that we address this, and, and that is what seems to be, and it may be just because we have current examples of it in recent years, um, senior pastors, many of them well-known, who have a moral failure and some of and there's that but then there's also the issue of the angry narcissistic uh pastor and uh working on a church staff or in a ministry environment with someone like that have you ever been in that situation where you had a narcissist who was maybe a superior or a senior pastor and how did you handle that I have, and unfortunately, and I don't want to generalize, but a lot of times it is older women who are struggling with identity. And in my life, I've really had to overcome this, where there's been two situations where I've been under that type of leadership. And, you know, it's really challenging. You know, we all have Saul's in our lives, but we also have Paul's in our lives. And in those seasons, when I've been led by those narcissistic leaders, I have run for my Paul's. And there are seasons where I have to say, don't stay where you're not safe. And the Lord has given me freedom to go and other seasons where he's asked me to stay and contend. And it has been difficult in both scenarios. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Well, you know, when we when we try to parse all of this and just kind of lay it out here, I, I hope that this conversation for all of us has not only been enlightening, but encouraging. And anything that causes me, you've heard me say this all the time here on the show, anything that causes me to depend, to depend more upon the Lord, to, to depend more upon Jesus, at the end of the day is a good thing. Now, it's easy to say that, but it's really hard to live that out. But um, I believe that that falls, you know, within this this realm of what we're talking about here, too, you know. And, and am I going to depend on others, or am I going to depend on the Lord? You know, I am... I am not going to get it right every single time as well. So there's this is very healthy for all of us. I want to I want to go to the phones, Natalie. Let's go to Philip in Lakeland. Hi Philip, welcome. Hi, I'm so glad to hear this conversation. I just want to bring a perspective to a pastor's side because a lot of times 
saints don't really realize how much they hurt pastors. Uh-huh. And, yes. and they don't really, you know, and the pastor, you know, has to be strong and then can't, you know, really show, you know, sometimes you can't even tell people the truth because they're, they're touchy, you know, and, and then they get easily offended if you tell them the truth about something in their life that they need to change. And, um, and so, you know, church hopping is not always the best thing because the more you uproot, if you transplant a tree too many times, it ends up dying mm-hmm. because it never establishes its roots. Yes. So I don't really agree necessarily with church hopping. I think it's important that people just realize that pastors are trying to help them in the fivefold ministry to become everything that God wants them to be. Wow, and, uh, that's good. So it's, it's a challenge. It's a challenge being a pastor today because there's so many people that have unteachable spirits. Oh, wow. yeah. All right, Natalie, what do you that's think? Too, too. Man, as a, Pastor Phil, as a pastor's kid, I hear you. I mean, my heart, like, I just have chills because I know how uh, good so many pastors are are doing in their cities and in their congregations. And, you know, for me, when I look at this, I, I say, yes, there are wolves in sheep's clothing. We can't deny that. But there are also a lot of sheep crying wolf. And we do have a lot of sheep that have been um, uprooting quickly, that have been uh, unteachable. And mm-hmm. it, it breaks my heart. I think what a lot of pastors are up against are secondary church hurt, like secondhand church hurt, where it didn't happen to the people, but they've watched the documentaries. They've right. seen what has happened to their friends. And now they're coming into church as skeptical, not only skeptical, but suspicious. And so pastors have to work against not just the spirit of discernment, which we want, but this suspicion that all pastors are going to do what these people have seen happen to their friends or on documentaries. That is so important that you brought that up. That's vitally important. Well, Natalie, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Love your book, Raised to Stay. You're welcome to join us anytime, okay? Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Curtain Cape Mornings Podcast. Please take a minute to follow, subscribe, and review us. And no matter where in the world you are, you can listen to us live from 6 to 9 a.m. weekdays on the Moody Radio app.